Welcome to the Niners Nation podcast. Niner Nate with you here again. And, you know, we're only three weeks away. And one of these days, we won't have to talk about Mac Jones anymore. But that is not today. With me this week, instead of Leo Luna, is Rich Madrid of Football Zebras and Niners Nation. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, Just looking forward to a day when I don't ever have to talk about Mac Jones ever again. Um, Hoping it's soon. (laughs) But uh, we had some interesting news today that we'll get to before we start talking about all these quarterbacks and who the Niners are going to draft, which seems to be, you know, the biggest story, obviously, is who the Niners are taking at three. We're going to talk a lot about that because I wanted to bring you on to talk about, you know, these prospects and what you think of them and and break them down from like um, a more in-depth perspective that, you know, we don't get from a lot of our guests. But first, let's talk about this big news. So Sam Darnold was traded from the New York Jets to the Carolina Panthers for a second a fourth and a sixth and I mean what do you think of this trade do you think this was just Carolina realizing that they're just not going to get the quarterback they want in the draft this year yeah it seems like it was kind of out of nowhere Um, I hadn't heard anything about Darnold being rumored to the Panthers in any way and so when I opened up my phone earlier after some meetings this afternoon it was kind of like wow uh, okay Um, seems like they're kind of pushing this thing a little a little too early, you know, the haul they gave up to get him, what, a, a six-round pick this year, a, a second and a fourth next year. Yeah. I think that was a little too much for, for Darnold. And I, and everybody knows, if you follow me on Twitter, I mean, you kind of know I like Darnold a little bit. I'm, I'm biased towards him, um, USC fan and all that. But I think it was a little too much. Um, they pulled the trigger a little too quickly. when I mean, they probably could have got him sooner – you know, during the draft or maybe a week prior or something for a lot less. So I just think it was a little premature on their end. And I think they got a little trigger happy and, and made a move that, you know, I don't know if they're going to, I don't know if that's going to be the best move for them right now. I mean, that roster isn't really going to go anywhere. They said as soon as they signed him that, you know, they're going to sign the fifth year option and that they're either going to restructure Teddy or they're going to cut Teddy or trade him or whatever they're going to end up doing. So they're kind of in a, a weird limbo there. But to be honest, at eight, it started, was starting to feel like maybe they were in a weird limbo anyway. If, you know, quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, you know, you're stuck with the odd man out, which ideally is probably Mac Jones or Trey Lance, you know, not Justin Fields. And I think they, you know, from the start, it felt like they wanted Justin Fields. And so, like, the, you know, the narrative that started was that, you know, they weren't comfortable with Mac Jones being the quarterback of the team and they – didn't want to risk him being there. Instead, they th- they took the took Darnold instead. Is that what you think they did? Yeah, I think so. I think they knew that they weren't going to get one of the guys they wanted. Um, and, and I said this on Twitter earlier today, but it seems like Shanahan kind of messed up the draft plans for at least four teams behind them that thought that you know one of Lance Fields or or Jones would fall to them in that spot. So I I'm kind of wondering if. Teams are as high on Mac Jones as Twitter is. And I, you know, I, I think he's a, a solid quarterback. I, you know, I don't want the 49ers to draft him or anything, but um, at least not at pick three. But I don't know if the rest of the league views him as someone who is a top, you know, 10 player right now in the draft. So um, maybe that's the reason why the Panthers did what they did because they were maybe sold on Lance or Fields, hopefully falling to them. And when the 49ers made that trade last week, you know, those plans went out the window and they scrambled to find another option because they really just don't care to draft Mac Jones. And that wouldn't surprise me. You know, you know, it seemed like 
with that pro day last week, you know, people were kept posting the throws and yeah, it's a pro day. It's whatever. But like, there's things about Mac Jones that, you know, now the DUI is coming out, which happened away a long time ago. Now people were talking about it a little bit more. And I think that, you know, there's some stuff with Mac Jones that just doesn't feel like he's a top 10 guy. And I think that's, you know, the biggest thing about the narrative on Twitter lately is that like, we don't want Mac Jones at three because he's not a top three player. You know, we want a Justin Fields. We want a Trey Lance. And, you know, we wanted Zach Wilson. I think that, you know, with this trade, it officially takes the 49ers out of the Zach Wilson sweepstakes. And I know you specifically are one of the most, like, people who are the lowest on Zach Wilson. So without talking too much about Zach Wilson, I just kind of want to hear what was your thoughts on Zach Wilson before the draft process and before he basically became out of reach. I just thought he had – I thought people were in too too much enamored with the big play highlights. And I think that's really all he had. Um, and I think that vaulted him into the into the conversation – probably a little sooner than it should have. Um, I have, I do have him ranked behind Mac Jones in my rankings for quarterbacks. Um, in case anyone's wondering, it's Lawrence fields, Jones, Wilson, and Lance. But I just, I'm not, I, after I went back and watched a lot of his games from this season, I just, you know, outside of the highlight plays, there just isn't a lot there to get terribly excited about. I mean, he's not a terrible quarterback prospect by any means, but the things he struggles with, like, when the play breaks down, I mean, he can, he can, no doubt he can rifle off a, a throw 50 yards downfield, but he's not going to be able to do that all the time in the NFL. I mean, he, he sat back there behind BYU's offensive line was one of the best in the country and just picked apart defenses downfield. I mean, he, he's a quarterback that doesn't face a ton of pressure. So we don't know really how he's going to handle it when things don't turn into seven on seven and he actually has to play 11 on 11. Um, he, you know, he, he exits the pocket prematurely on a lot of plays. He doesn't see open guys and, you know, second or third progression in the read. I mean, he, he does it on occasion, but it's not, he, he didn't do it enough for me to, to vault him ahead of someone even like Mac Jones, who has to play from the pocket because he's not a mobile quarterback. I mean, it, it's not, you know, and uh, Jones isn't the sexy pick by any means because of how just unathletic he is in comparison to the other guys, but I, I can't put, a quarterback like Zach Wilson ahead of Jones who has those issues, um, you know, and those are issues that we hate with the 49ers quarterbacks to begin with. So why would we want to introduce that again? Now that's not saying that Shanahan won't put him in a good position to succeed because he will, you know, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, those guys will throw 25 touchdowns, 30 touchdowns easily in their rookie season with Shanahan. So that's not an issue, but the issue long-term is, is is he going to progress the way a rookie quarterback under Shanahan should progress? And I, with Zach Wilson, I don't see it as much, um, you know, and I, I hope he doesn't bust. You don't want to see any of these kids bust because these are, you know, this is their livelihood. It's going to be their livelihood. But I, I really don't know that he's going to be as special as everyone thinks he is. I'm just kind of skeptical of that. And I only ranked him ahead of Lance because – Lance has issues with accuracy throwing down the field after past five yards. So I think Lance is probably the highest ceiling, you know, of the two because Lance is not a finished product, but you know, Zach Wilson is somewhere closer to a more polished passer than Lance. I, you know, he's still going to develop, but I, I don't know if that's the route the 49ers need to go. 
And so let's, you know, you just gave out your rankings. Let's start from the bottom and work our way up and we'll talk about each of these guys in depth. And that's the main reason I want to bring you on because you, you know, you study more film than anyone I know when it comes to these guys. You post film on Twitter. You're really good at about, about it at Rich Madrid. Make sure you're following him. Make sure you check out the stuff he posts. Really good at just breaking it down from a perspective where you learn a lot just by reading his posts. And so, you know, let's start with Trey Lance. Um, so the thing about Trey Lance and, and, you know, the thing that the narrative is that, you know, He's a guy who would have to sit for a year because he's so raw, because, you know, he only threw the ball, you know, eight times a game. You know, he and Matt Mayoko seemed to think that, you know, on Twitter today, which, you know, whatever Matt Mayoko is saying on Twitter, I don't know what's going on. It was Jones last week. It's Trey Lance this week. It feels like they're just throwing out narratives at this point. But he said Lance would turn his back to the defense and was able to still, you know, get a feel for where the defense was. And then also he was calling his own audibles and stuff at the, you know, at the line of scrimmage. And so with that, like, I mean, that's a pretty big, important part, but he's only thrown the ball eight times. So with, with Trey Lance, like what is what, like, you know, when you talk about Trey Lance, what do you, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Just unbelievably uh, gift, physically gifted athlete. He's got a great arm. You know, he's got, he, he looks like a quarterback. He's a guy that, you know, D1 schools wanted him to play a linebacker. He didn't want to play a linebacker, so he went to a, an FCS school and played quarterback, and I think it was probably the best decision he made. Now, the issue, kind of some of the issues I have with him is, yeah, the, he, you know, he only had 16 starts or whatever, but so did Mac Jones. So, you know, who cares? Um, I do think Lance could probably start on day one, but he seems like the least likely of the five to start day one if they were to go for go to the 49ers. I mean, I'll, I'll include Trevor Lawrence in there because who cares? Shit happens. It's crazy <laughs> things happen on draft day. You never know what, what anyone's going to do with those first two picks. So, you know, I, I do think if they went that route with Lance, they probably would keep Garoppolo and he probably would sit a year behind Garoppolo. There's nothing wrong with that. I, you know, I've, I'm, I've tweeted I'd be okay with that. I mean, I don't really have a choice, but you know, there's, there's upside to that. And the thing is, is no disrespect to Matt Mayoko or any, uh, any of the other big beat writers, but not a lot of them know what they're watching when they, if they even watch these guys. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he said that, you know, Lance seems to fit the mold of, you know, someone Shanahan would want in his offense because he has all these, uh, you know, 30% of his passes came from under center play action or whatever, but I mean, who cares? Like, he's not an accurate passer. He's probably the he's probably the least accurate passer out of the top five. You know, Lawrence Fields, Wilson, and Mac Jones were far superior throwers in that regard. So, I, I do think that's something that can probably be learned. But it took you know someone like Josh Allen with the Bills three full seasons before he nailed the accuracy portion. I, I wouldn't have an issue with that, but you know, you got to figure a lot of 49er fans. After two seasons of up and down, they're not going to be happy with that, and there's going to be calls for firing Shanahan like there are every year. There's going to be calls for changing quarterbacks again. So I, I don't know. I, the play action stuff, yeah, it's great. He can do all that, and you know, but that doesn't mean he's a scheme fit. I mean, would you take the guy who's a better talent, or would you just take the guy who you think is a scheme fit? And if Shanahan just takes the guy he thinks is a scheme fit, then you know you're looking at another four years of you know, a little above average, maybe a playoff team, maybe not, who knows. 
Um, now, I do think Lance has a lot more upside than someone like Mac Jones, but I don't know. I just I wouldn't I wouldn't take Lance. I wouldn't even take Lance with the third pick. I, you know, I don't even think he's a top ten pick really. And someone's going to take a chance on him, and they should. But you know, I don't I don't get paid to make those decisions, and so you know, I, the, some of the reasons for that is just the accuracy and he is young. I mean, he is, he is a guy that's going to have to sit for a year or two, maybe, um, you know, he's going to be 20 when the season starts. I think he's, what is he 19 now or 20 now? He's, I mean, he's, yeah. really, um, and you know, you wouldn't want to throw a kid into that mix right away, especially when they haven't played in a year. And so, you know, the other factor you, you mentioned with Trey Lance, that is kind of interesting versus, you know, the other quarterbacks we'll be talking about tonight or today, I'm sorry, are, you know, the fact that, you know, with Trey Lance, Jimmy is probably coming back. And it's like, at what point do fans, you know, there's so many fans who defend Jimmy Garoppolo on Twitter and, and they, they love the guy because he took him to the Super Bowl or whatever, right? But, but what point do we get to the point where Jimmy is doing his thing where he's missing wide open receivers and fans start calling for Trey Lance and we're sitting right back there where we're throwing Trey Lance out to the dogs and yeah, it's Shanahan, like, don't get me wrong. We're not, it's not like we're putting CJ or Nick out there, but the thing is like, we're still throwing this young kid to the dogs and it's, it just doesn't feel worth it to me. You know, like you mentioned the, the problem with, you know, not throwing accurate balls. You watch the film for Trey Lance and guys are wide open. Like there's nobody within 15 feet of them. Like I think someone said on a, I think it was a Haberman and Middlecoff. I listened to their podcast and they're like, Trey Lance's receivers basically had a Mack truck between them and the corner. Like, that's how open they were a lot of the times. And, yeah, sure, that happens with the Niners sometimes, but it doesn't happen all the time in the NFL. It it rarely happens in the NFL, to be honest with you. Like, we're just lucky we have Shanahan. That can be an issue. I mean, if he's not throwing pinpoint accurate passes to guys that are running wide open, and he tended to miss on a lot of those. And, he, you know, they were behind receivers. They were too far in front of him. He did throw a lot of nice seam balls and and fades to the back of the end zone, but – you're not going to be able to live off those throws in the NFL. And that's, you know, that's like I said with Zach Wilson, you just, you need to be able to throw accurately to other levels of the field, especially in that 10 to 20 yard range. And that was something that Garoppolo was really good at at first. And then he just wasn't like, I don't, you know, I don't want to blame the ACL because he's, he looked, his accuracy dipped before he tore his ACL. And it wasn't, you know, to be honest, it wasn't even that good before, 2018 like when that five game stretch it wasn't great but I mean he was making the plays so whatever but if you if your quarterback can't hit those throws in the 10 to 20 yard range then there's what there's no point in even trying to go downfield and we saw that with the 49ers this year I mean they didn't let any of their quarterbacks throw beyond 20 yards that often um, because they couldn't get the ball down there and if when they did it was you know overthrown or underthrown or picked or whatever um, and, and with Lance, that, that is an issue. His windup on deep throws hinders his passing ability that far because he does this little dip motion with his hips and his legs, and then he throws it, and it makes the throw a beat late, you know, even against FCS teams. So what's it going to do in the NFL? Now, I will say that his mechanics look drastically different than what we saw in his season in North Dakota State, but – that's in a controlled environment. I mean, they, they spent time breaking him down and building him back up, but in a game, we have no idea if his new mechanics are going to hold because typically what players do, especially quarterbacks, is they revert to what's comfortable. And if he's not comfortable doing that, like he can get by for a pro day with, where he has to make 
40 or 50 throws that are scripted and, you know, that he's comfortable making. But in a game, you're going to revert back to what is comfortable for you and how you were hitting throws, you know, in 2019 against James Madison or whatever. So it's it's not a knock on the kid. It's just what happens to quarterbacks. And, but, but, you know, to kind of talk him up, I wouldn't be – I, I wouldn't be uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? I, I think I think you could start him day one over Garoppolo because nobody has film on him. Nobody knows their tendencies with Trey Lance in the offense. Nobody really knows what he can and can't do in the NFL because he hasn't played. So there is upside there, and that's something that they have to factor in with all these guys. You know, with Garoppolo, you kind of know what you're going to get from teams, and that's spot dropping to the middle of the field taking away the throws that Garoppolo likes to make and, you know, possibly creating multiple turnovers a game like he had this year. And so with Trey Lance or any of these guys, you know, you can study the college tape and see what they did, you know, what what they were uncomfortable with. But the NFL is drastically different. You're getting better pass protection in the NFL. You're getting better receivers around you in the NFL. Who, who knows how these guys can handle the situations they're asked to be – they're asked to be put in. So – you know, there is upside to starting someone like even Trey Lance over Jimmy Garoppolo on day one. I just don't think that if they drafted him that they would do that. You, so you think that if Trey Lance is the pick that Jimmy does definitely is the quarterback this season like some people want, basically? Yeah, unless that they're unless they're comfortable starting him day one or, or unless they somehow find a veteran they can acquire somehow. But I think that ship has sailed. I mean, they tried to get Joe Flacco, you know, it's some, that didn't work out. And, you know, I can't even remember who the other ones that were available. I mean, Mariota, Dalton, Dalton, Trubisky. Some of these guys that you think would be all right backing up a a rookie quarterback, you know, and they didn't they didn't make a move for any of them. Now, I mean, maybe some of that is they think they can get a bigger haul for Garoppolo, but I don't know. Um, Knows. It's kind of interesting with Jimmy is like. The Darnold thing maybe helps the 49ers in some ways where they could potentially get a better haul from him. I don't think they're getting a first-round pick, but I think a second-round pick from like a Denver or a New England makes sense. And I think that they could get that because, you know, he's a, he's a starting caliber quarterback, like you just said. You know, yeah, he's injured all the time, but, you know, a lot of teams don't even have what we had in Garoppolo. And I know we complain a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo on this show specifically, but, like, the thing is, is, there's some teams that would die to have Jimmy on their team just because they haven't had starting caliber quarterback play at all for a long time. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, he's not – he is not a bottom-tier backup quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he's one of the 32 best in the world doing what he does. No, There's no doubt about that, and there's no doubt they can win with him in the regular season, you know, getting – Getting to the playoffs again, I'm sure they could do that too with Garoppolo, but how many seasons can you endure with, you know, losing in the wild card or divisional round again? I mean, because even Peter King admitted today they got lucky in 2019 with him. So I think a lot of people know, like, you know, you get Jimmy Garoppolo, you can probably win some games, but you're not going to do much in the playoffs after that. I mean, teams know how to play him. Teams know how to scheme against him, but in the in the regular season, when you're playing lesser talent and worse teams, you're going to win games. I mean, that's how that's how 2019 was. That loaded roster beat up a last place schedule, and that, you, that can't be overlooked. 
but you know, they, they did win and they got to the Super Bowl by beating a couple of good teams. So there, it's, it's always a possibility, but I think you kind of know what the ceiling is with this team with Jimmy Garoppolo and that's getting lucky and getting back to the NFC championship and maybe a Super Bowl and definitely not winning it. Cause we already know they can't win it. So, but, to, but team that doesn't matter because teams don't have that in their quarterbacks. If they did, they wouldn't be in the positions they're in. So, you know, and, a team like the Broncos, that team, if they got Garoppolo, that team could make a run in the AFC playoffs. That is a loaded, stacked roster, and they don't, they're not talked about enough because they don't win because they don't have a quarterback, and Drew Locke is not a good quarterback. He, he's barely a backup, in my opinion. So you get someone like Garoppolo on that team with a strong defense and strong weapons around him, and they could have – a successful season and get to, you know, the AFC championship or divisional playoffs. And, and that, that's the end of that, you know, but he's, he's not a quarterback that he's like, he's like Baker Mayfield. He's like Jared Goff. He's like Ryan Tannehill and some of these middling quarterbacks that they're good enough to get you there, but they're not good enough to finish it. And some teams are fine with getting there and not finishing it, you know, after up to a certain point. And we saw what the Rams did. So there's, there's precedent for everything you can think of with Jimmy Garoppolo and somebody will take a chance on him. I mean, they, they will, they have to. Yeah. I think it's going to be Denver. I really do think it's going to be Denver. I think it just makes sense. Cause now with, you know, you know, with the top four being quarterback, 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 you know, I think Atlanta is going to take Trey Lance to back up Matt Ryan because they will, you know, they have Matt Ryan. They're able to, you know, not throw him out there. And I think that that's, that's a good situation for him. And I think that, you know, Denver would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo than Mac Jones. So, and, you know, I think that Mac Jones ends up in New England. That's where I honestly end up thinking. But, you know, let's talk about him at three real quick. You know, a lot of people say that Mac Jones is basically Jimmy Garoppolo with a better arm. I mean, I think you have your own view, you know, that's a little bit different than what a lot of people think. You know, you you said on Twitter, I, I think a quote was like, he's basically what everyone thinks Kyle Trask is. For the longest time, everyone thought Kyle Trask was, you know, the big, you know, this awesome quarterback because he was a Heisman candidate. But, like, tell me, what do you think about Mac Jones? And, like, you know, you say he's better than Trey Lance in your opinion. And I, I think I agree with you on that one. You know, what is your opinion on Mac Jones? My opinion on Mac Jones is I think he's a really solid quarterback. I think I think 15 years ago he probably would have been the number one overall pick. I mean, hell, maybe even six years ago when Goff and Wentz were coming out. You know, if he was in the if he was in Goff and Wentz's class, he would have been the number one overall pick easily. I just think he's a better quarterback than uh, a lot of guys coming out. Um, you know, even some quarterbacks in the six through ten range. You know, but he's definitely better than Kyle Trask. And uh, you know, in some cases, I you know, I mean, he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo in some on some things. I mean, he throws with anticipation. He's, he's pretty accurate. I mean, he was throwing to wide open guys a lot, but that's the nature of Alabama's talent. I mean, I'm not, not going to knock a guy for that when he's making the throws. I mean, even the throws he's making to guys that are wide open are pinpoint accurate, you know, and he can do it under pressure. He can move around the pocket. He can do a lot of the things that Garoppolo hasn't been able to do for, for, for four seasons and, you know, the smattering of games that he's played. So I do think that there is some benefit to getting Mac Jones at three, but He's not the pick I would make at three. He was a guy that I would have no problem taking with pick 12 if he was available there. But he is also not a guy that is going to move 
the needle in the NFC against other more physically gifted and talented quarterbacks, you know, of course they're because they're veterans and all that, like Stafford and Rogers and Wilson, and they're going to be up there, but you need a quarterback that's going to be able to threaten defenses with more than just his ability to, you know, be accurate once in a while from the pocket, because when things break down, he's not a guy that's going to escape and make throws on the run and move, make plays with his legs. I mean, he, he can do it, but even bottom-tier SEC defenses aren't the NFL bottom-tier teams. So, you know, or even top-tier SEC defenses aren't like that. So I just – I don't think – I mean, you move up to three to take a guy with basically the same traits as the guy you already have, just less expensive. It just doesn't seem like that's the play for me. So, you know, and, and we don't really know what their intentions are because, you know, it was reported today that – all this Mac Jones stuff has basically been a smokescreen. So I just can't I, – I can't see take moving that much draft capital to take a guy that you already have on the roster, basically, and who, you know, who can get you there, you know, to the playoffs, but probably can't do much else. That's been the biggest thing. It's like we've talked about with multiple people. We had Splash Cousin on a couple of weeks ago, and we were like, yeah, take Mac Jones at 12. I'm totally down for that. That's awesome because I think it's a great 12, you know, 12 pick, right? It's, you know, he, he's not sexy, but he gets the job done. He's cheaper, and, he, you know, he he's decent. He can do the things that we need him to do, and I think he has better accuracy than Jimmy Garoppolo, which is our biggest problem with Jimmy is that, you know, the accuracy is a huge problem. You know, we've noticed that he's throwing the ball to the ground more often than not last season and we saw how bad he was in that Miami game and people want to pretend like it was the ACL. I, I don't think it was the ACL, but I think that's just where we get with Jimmy. Sometimes we're going to get, you know, awful games. So, you know, we continue talking about Mac Jones a little bit, you know, obviously he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be the Trey Lance. He's not going to run a lot, but with a guy like that, you know, and in Shanahan's system, we talk so much about Kirk cousins. And I, you know, this question was coming when you came on this podcast you know, the Kirk Cousins thing that everyone keeps talking about, that that's Shanahan's ideal quarterback. I know from talking to you that you don't believe that. But I want to hear you tell the listeners, you know, what you you know what you think Shanahan's ideal quarterback is and why it's not Kirk Cousins and why this Mac Jones should be Kyle Shanahan's guy is a lazy narrative. Well, for one thing, Shanahan didn't even coach Cousins that much in in-game situations in Washington when they were playing there when they drafted him the same year as RG3. Now, I will preface this with over the last two seasons, I've come around a lot on Kirk Cousins. I think he's a – I don't know if he's like a great, super great quarterback, but, you know, he's a guy that went on the road to New Orleans and came from behind in the playoff game last year and, and beat them in overtime. He's just a much better quarterback the last two seasons than he gets credit for. Now, sure, they didn't win – I think they went seven and nine this season and didn't make the playoffs, but they didn't make the playoffs um, not because of Kirk Cousins, but because their defense fell apart. You know, Cousins didn't really miss a beat with the passing game and all that. And I think he's a really smart quarterback. And I think he would have won a lot of games with Shanahan in San Francisco, possibly even the Super Bowl, because he's just a much better deep thrower than Garoppolo is. That That's what separates him from – a lot of these other quarterbacks like Goff and everyone else that run the same system is Kirk Cousins can throw deep now. You know, he's had a lot of opportunities to do it in both Washington and Minnesota, and he, he's starting to connect on a lot more deep shots, and he's a lot more accurate that way. 
I think him and Garoppolo were in 2019, like nine and 10 in the league and deep passing. But the thing about it was Kirk Cousins threw deep twice as often as Garoppolo did. And people thought, well, that's because he had Diggs and Thielen and all that. But he had a rookie this year in place of Diggs, and he did just just as well with them. I mean, he's pinpoint accurate on a lot of deep passes. Um, and it's I'm actually going back through and watching a lot of the Vikings offense right now because, I just, you know, I study a lot of the Kubiak-Shanahan offenses to find the similarities and differences. But he is a good – he's a good thrower. And I do think he would have won a lot of games with Shanahan. Now, five years ago or even four years ago when Shanahan came to San Francisco, he would have been the ideal quarterback for Shanahan. This year, with the amount of guys that can run around and make plays with their legs, and oh, by the way, a lot of these quarterbacks that are athletic can play from the pocket, I don't think he wants a guy that can't do both. So... And he said as much. I mean, he said it in uh, – he said it the week after the Buffalo game when Josh Allen absolutely torched them with his legs and with his cannon arm, you know, that those that was a, a guy that he we had found out that he had scouted and wanted him to come out a year earlier because he had his eye on him. So he, he identified this guy in 2017 before he even came into the NFL um, in the 2018 draft. So – or it would have been twenty. It would have been the twenty sixteen season. He was hoping he came out in the twenty seventeen draft. Um, and you know, we know Shanahan scouted Deshaun Watson, and we know what happened that, he, that they passed on him. So we we know that he's had his eye on these guys for a long time. Now, why he didn't take Watson or Mahomes in twenty seventeen, you know, that's another matter. But the fact is, I think his views have changed, and he even said this week or not this week, but a week ago today, that he said that if you draw it up, you draw up the biggest, fastest, strongest athlete that can play the position. Uh, in my mind, that's only really one guy, well, maybe one guy, maybe two in this draft class of quarterbacks, and it's Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And so let's, I mean, let's talk about Justin Fields. I think we both feel the same way about him. I think this is who I want them to take at three. I think that he's the most talented quarterback you know, they have available because knowing Trevor Lawrence is gone and, you know, we can we don't even need to talk about Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, when you look at Justin Fields and what he brings to the 49ers, not only can he play from the pocket, but he ran a 4-4-40, which I don't think we've had a 49ers quarterback who could do that since Kaepernick. And I don't I don't know if, it, if that's faster than Kaepernick or not, but it's still pretty I mean, it's impressive. But I think he also has a better arm than Kaepernick as well. And, then, and not only that, but. I mean, the deep ball is just absolutely gorgeous. And I, and it was gorgeous all season. You know, we've watched a lot of um, throws on your uh, – you do these uh, film breakdowns for a lot of Niners Twitter that people should check out, obviously. But you do them. And, you know, we've looked at throws sometimes with Justin Fields, and they're so gorgeous to the point where, like, even if they're misses, if Ayuk was the right receiver, they're touchdowns because that's how good the 49ers are and how good they are, you know, at wide receiver. So let's talk about Justin Fields. Like, what do you see on film, and and why do you think this should be the third overall pick? I think if he had had a full 2018 season and a full 2020 season as a start, so a 2018 as a starter, Georgia or Ohio State, you know, let's just let's just say Georgia, and then they decided to move on to Jake Fromm the next season, and he transfers to Ohio State. But I think you're looking at a guy who easily could have been the number one quarterback. 
So he would have probably not even been available to the 49ers at pick three. He probably would have went number one overall. I think the only thing that the only reason why people are talking about him at pick three is because of Trevor Lawrence. Um, and Trevor Lawrence had three phenomenal seasons, and I think he's probably the best quarterback prospect to come out of the draft since Andrew Luck. So he's off. He's off. Basically off limits. They're not getting him. Um, but with Justin Fields, you're getting everything. You're getting a quarterback who's mobile, but who doesn't always look to run. You're you got You're getting a quarterback who looks to extend plays from the pocket, who can move around a muddy pocket, who can make all the throws downfield with accuracy, throwing guys open in tight coverage. He is, despite the narrative, not a one-read-and-run quarterback. I've shown numerous, dozens and dozens of examples of him moving through his progressions, breaking down certain plays from the off, the Ohio State offensive playbook because I have, uh, we'll just say, a, an install of sorts. Um, and, and it breaks down the progressions. And I've tried to show people, like, this is the play they're running. This is the progression. This is what the playbook shows, and this is what he's doing. And oftentimes, you can see, you can tell when a quarterback is going through his progressions. He's resetting his feet. He's looking downfield. His eyes move. You can see his head move, looking at the reads. And he's scanning and looking for guys to throw to. Um, that's the easiest way I can say it. Watch the feet reset and watch the head movement. And he's doing all of that. He had 10% of his plays from under center play action, you know, and he had very good numbers doing that. He's he's just a, a quarterback who's comfortable doing a lot of the things he'd be asked to do in Shanahan's offense. You talk a little bit about that Ohio State offense. You know, everyone says it's really hard to scout because of, you know, what they do. You know, when you watch that film of Fields and you see that Ohio State offense, are you still able to see the things that you, you know, you want to see from, you know, a potential franchise quarterback, you know, despite the fact that Ohio State's running this offense where, you know, it's a little harder to scout, right? Yeah, they're it's it's primarily a vertical offense and that's kind of annoying because it makes everything happen in slow motion and it looks like he's, you know, on first glance a quarterback that holds the ball too long and he's not. He's waiting you know he's looking for guys to come open he's fine trying to find windows to anticipate to throw into and when you're looking to throw downfield a lot like they do the the anticipation throws aren't there because oftentimes he does have to drop back seven steps and he does have to hitch and he does have to you know throw it at some point and by that point the window is closed on a lot of these plays very very seldom does he get a throw that he can make where he can throw a guy open and things like that but when he you know when he does get it, he throws it, and he's all you know. He's always looking to take that shot downfield. So it's it's frustrating watching their offense because the receivers have too many options they can run, and they're they're not option routes. They're what they call read routes. So they read the coverage, and they're running uh, you know a route based on you know the leverage of the defender, whether it's man coverage, whether it's zone, whether it's too high, one high, whatever. You know, you you can think of all the, the ways that they have to read it. And on some routes, you have five ways you can run a deep over route in Ohio State's offense. You can run a you can run a post, you can run straight across and over in man coverage, you can run up and over against too high, you can run through the safeties, you can run in front of the safeties. I mean, 
you can see that he's waiting for all this to take place. So everything is long, slow developing concepts in their playbook. And it looks like it, it gives the perception that he's a quarterback that is holding on to the ball too long. And it's frustrating to watch because their offensive line is not that good. And so he's having to maneuver around a muddy pocket and, and make plays. And, I, you know, without Justin Fields, that that's maybe a three, two or three win team last season. They're just not not that good. You can see what an immobile immobile quarterback would do in that offense, and it's it's not pretty. And the one of the stat lines that's you know kind of popped up a lot around this draft process is the fact that you know if you look at the defenses these guys face, and yeah, you know Trevor Lawrence, you know he played he played it on a team that is you know stacked and plays in a great division, but he didn't play as high quality defenses. As you know, what Justin Fields saw, Justin Fields saw the most high quality defenses. You know, he had to go against much better talent. And yes, I don't like to this narrative that you know you you scout the you scout the player, not the school. I totally agree with. But when you look at the teams that that Trevor Lawrence played, or the teams that you know obviously Trey Lance played, or the teams that Zach Wilson played, minus Coastal Carolina, which you know they ended up losing that game. But when you look at the teams that Justin Fields played, he played some of the best defenses in the country, right? Yeah, he played uh, Indiana and Northwestern were top five defenses, and I believe Clemson was number three. So, you know, the argument was proposed yesterday, well, they were only top defenses because they didn't play out-of-conference games. But have you seen an out-of-conference schedule for every Power Five team? I mean, they play, you know, MAC schools and – Big, you know, uh, what are some of the other ones? Mountain West schools and things like that. And you get the occasional, you know, Big Ten, maybe Pac-12 game early. Not that well. That's the Rose Bowl. Never mind. But you get like the SEC Pac-12 matchup sometimes in there. It's just or the SEC Big Ten maybe you know, like Michigan played Alabama one season, week one. I mean, it, but it's few and far between. So out of conference games don't really don't really matter. I mean, you're getting a you're getting a much better look at teams playing only conference games. So, Northwestern I think ended up being the number 1 defense last season. Indiana was number 5 and then you have Clemson sandwiched in there. Um now, it just happens to be that Alabama wasn't a top 10 defense. Um so that was unfortunate, but that game got out of hand early because Ohio State's defense couldn't keep them in it. So, it, it's not – It's those two games, Indiana and Northwestern, I mean, you can use that against him, but it, only if you look at certain plays. If you look at the t- totality of the game and all his snaps, you know, he's making plays with his legs. He's scoring touchdowns on, on the ground. I mean, it's not always going to be, you know, a guy comes in and throws 400 yards, four touchdowns, and they win a game every single week. You're just not going to get that. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had a really bad stretch in 2019, and he had some stinkers this season. So those never get talked about. It only gets talked about with one guy, and you can tell who the you, – you know who the one guy is. I mean, Trey Lance doesn't even get this scrutiny because I think it's just understood that Trey Lance is a, a bigger project than some of these other guys. But they try to use – the competition arguments mostly against fields and then to an extent Wilson, but you know, I, I, I would have a, I would have a huge issue if any of these quarterbacks couldn't just absolutely decimate the lesser competition they were playing to begin with. But that's a discussion for another day, but 
it, it shouldn't matter. I mean, the, the, the teams they played were good, and he threw six touchdowns against Clemson in a game that he honestly probably shouldn't have taken another snap in after he took that shot to the ribs. Um, so that's another, you know, bonus in his corner. It's just that toughness that we don't really see, you know, like with Jimmy Garoppolo, like, yeah, we, I don't want to like say his injuries weren't bad, but it just feels like he's never been a tough quarterback, you know, with the Niners. Like, yeah, he takes a couple shots, but that rib shot, like, I think I saw on like a, one of those ESPN shows, like some guys are saying that's one of the worst, you know, college shots they've seen a guy take in a while. Like it was just was bad. And he came back and he immediately played again. I mean, that was the most vicious hit I've seen maybe just because it was in slow motion when they kept showing the replay, but that that looked painful. And for him to sit out, what did he sit out? A play? A, maybe a play, one yeah. Play, one play after that. And he came back in and I think he threw a touchdown on that drive. And then he came back and threw four more. So it just, that's, you know, that's the kind of toughness that you want to see from a quarterback. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, when your choices are Mac Jones, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, it just feels like, and I think that this is a, a narrative that is sort of weird on Twitter. Like a lot of the guys who I talk to, at least on this show, or people that I you know, interact with, you know, we gravitate towards Justin Fields because we want toughness. We want mobility. We want the ability to hit anybody on the field. I feel like, you know, with a slightly better quarterback, the 49ers are Super Bowl champions, you know, two years, a year ago now. And the thing is like, with a slightly better quarterback, they might be two times Super Bowl champions because, you know, that Tom Brady Buccaneers team was good, but if the Niners stay healthy, they're just as good as that team. And so, you know, we've talked so much about it's they're a quarterback away, and now they have a chance to nail this with the right quarterback, and it, it, it feels like it's Justin Fields, right? Like, that's the guy. That's who they should be picking. Yeah, it certainly feels like that. You know, the Mac hype was weird, and then over the weekend it started to become the Zach Wilson hype, and now Mayoko today is talking about uh, you know, Trey Lance, like, so nobody, nobody knows. These guys all want to be right at some point. They all want to be able to hedge their bets. I'm just sticking with fields. If it's not fields, you know, okay, whatever. And, you know, obviously they saw something they didn't like, uh, but you know, they probably should just take the chance and do it. You don't, like I said, you just don't move up all that. You don't move all that draft capital to go up to grab a guy that you already have on the roster it just doesn't make any sense uh, but we don't know what Shanahan thinks you know we can kind of surmise what he's thinking but I just don't I, I don't see it being Mac Jones I, I'm fine with Trey Lance I'm fine with Zach Wilson despite their flaws I'm fine with obviously Justin Fields is my number one that I would pick for them but I with Mac Jones I just I don't know. I mean, it would – I would. I'm not going to lie and say it's not intriguing because, you know, maybe this guy is Kirk Cousins 2.0 at some point. Who knows? But just not for that draft capital. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'll still root for him and I'll still break him down and be on, give an honest assessment of Mac Jones, the quarterback of the 49ers, but it, it's just not exciting to me. I mean, I, I can't imagine it's that exciting to Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, he talked a lot about in this offseason, and I think a lot of people talked about him, you know, he's sick of this idea that he has to be perfect all the time. And I feel like that's who Shanahan is. You know, we've obviously watched him for a couple of years now. He wants to be perfect all the time. But, like, you can't be perfect all the time. And so I don't feel like Mac Jones is able to get him out of those jams that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo would put him in. 
And that's the thing is, why take a guy who isn't going to be that, you know, when you can have a guy who, you know, I feel like this is Deshaun Watson all over again. And I think I retweeted this today. Like, this is Deshaun Watson all over again. Like, if you pass on this guy, we're going to regret it in three or four years. You're going to be – people are going to make fun of the 49ers like they do now for missing on the Deshaun Watson pick. And taking Justin Fields, it fixes that. No one ever talks about Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes ever again in that way, you know, from 2017 because, you know, they found a way, they got it done, and they didn't trade the farm for Mac freaking Jones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this feels kind of like a Watson-Mahomes situation where there were all these questions about what can these guys really do when they get to the NFL – well, I I ended up being right about Mahomes, and it was real simple because I just looked at the sheer amount of just stupid, ridiculous plays that he made, just the bombs that he threw downfield, the the pinpoint accuracy on a lot of throws. It wasn't it was an easy projection for me because I just thought at the time you can't pass on a guy who just makes this incredible amount of high you know, uh, what is it, big-time plays. Just just the sheer volume of big-time throws that he had, even in his last season at Texas Tech, even though they weren't that great, um, that's mostly because of Cliff Kingsbury, who's not a very good coach, but you just couldn't pass on a guy like that. And the same with Watson. Just the sheer amount of big-time plays that he had. And he was a really good passer in, in college for Clemson. I mean, he – through with pinpoint accuracy. I mean, he understood what he was reading with defenders and throwing against leverage and things like that. And I see the same thing with Fields. And that's not to say that Fields is going to be Mahomes in two seasons. We don't know. But Mahomes coming out did not have a lot of traits that people liked or that they were looking for. He had the, He has terrible mechanics. He looks like – I said this on Twitter the other day. He looks like Krusty the Clown when he throws. His footwork is that bad. But it does not matter with Mahomes, and it did not matter at Texas Tech. There's, I, I can picture several plays from him watch, you know, watching his Texas Tech film from that season where his footwork just completely breaks down and his arm bails him out because he has the ridiculous arm talent. You don't pass on a guy like that because you think he looks like Krusty the Clown in the pocket. I don't care. He makes he routinely makes throws where his where it looks like his feet are pointed in the complete opposite direction of the place he's throwing, and it's just because he's so talented, the, the pass gets to where it needs to. I mean, in Watson, like just precision all over the place. Just every, all levels of the field, precision, accuracy, timing. Just na- he had it all nailed. And well, he's a Clemson quarterback. He's not going to do well in the NFL. They never do well in the NFL. This same, the, all these arguments are the same exact arguments people were making against those guys that year coming out. I see the same thing with Justin Fields. And I probably won't be wrong about him. He's probably going to be the first Ohio State quarterback that does anything meaningful in the NFL. You know, one final question, you know, before we end this is what is your projection? You know, you say you don't think you're going to be wrong about him. What is your projection for Justin Fields? If, say, the Niners take him at three, then he becomes the starter on day one. They, you know, Levi's, they open up against the Rams, whatever. You know, home opener, he's the quarterback and he plays 17 games. What is your projection for that? 
think he's a guy that's going to come in and probably throw. I mean, so RG three had he had a twenty touchdown, five interception season for Shanahan with the Redskins, but that roster wasn't as good. And I think he, you know, he he ran for close to a thousand yards and eight touchdowns as well. On a loaded roster with the 49ers, I think he's easily a 30 touchdown passing quarterback or 30 passing touchdowns and probably eight or 10 more rushing touchdowns easily just because of how, you know, his ability opens up the running game. And I don't think Shanahan's going to run him to the same volume that, you know, he ran RG3 because that was like kind of the thing they could get away with back then was running the zone read a lot. They'll probably they'd run it a, a maybe once or twice a game with Fields, but where he's going to give you that extra leverage in those situations is actually being able to just take off and run, um, and he may score on a few of those. He is a fast athlete playing quarterback. I mean, he chases he chased down one of his receivers and threw a block on the defender fifty yards downfield on a play against Michigan State. That you know, I think you know which one I'm talking about. He's faster yeah. than the guy. He was faster than the skill guys on his team outside of Chris Olave. So you're getting a guy who can pretty much do anything you want in your offense. You can throw the play action deep passes. You can take the seven step straight dropbacks and air it out, you know, just just to move the defense back a little. And then you can run the ball down their throat with the wide zone. So I, I think the possibilities are limitless with a guy like that. There's, you, you don't move up to three to take a guy who isn't going to be able to elevate the offense around him. You, you move up to three to take a guy who will and probably elevate the team in a lot of situations because, let's face it, the defensive regression is coming. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the thing is like, they have to become a more offensive team. And I think Justin Fields allows them to do that and become, you know, what we think they should be with the stacked roster they have. Like, you know, every Niner fan knows how good the team is. And now they have the the offensive line they've wanted to have. You know, we can talk about McGlinchey, obviously, all we want. But the thing is, the offensive line is good. The past, you know, maybe they'll get another receiver in the draft. But Ayuk and Debo are good. And we're finally going to get to see, I think, for the first time, what Debo Samuel really is. Because they have not used him right for two years now. They've had to use him as a running back, and it's not fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, he can go downfield. I mean, it's not his strength, but you also don't want to just limit a guy to just being like a gadget receiver that he slash running back that he has been right now for two seasons. I do think they need to add another guy. I, to be honest, Fields coming into this offense and playing with these receivers is probably a slight downgrade from what he had at Ohio State with Olave and some of the other guys. Um, it's just unfortunate that Olave is not coming out in this draft because he'd be another really he's going to be another really good receiver that some team gets next year. But you know, Kittle and Ayuk and possibly Debo, and then you add one more guy into that mix. That now you're cooking, man. I mean, I I, I kind of hated that they got rid of they didn't bring well, they didn't get rid of him they didn't bring him back was Kendrick Bourne because he was their most consistent receiver for four seasons, um, and I think he would have been really good with Justin Fields. I mean, it's too late for that now, but, you know, they're, they're, they do need to find one more guy there. I mean, Mohamed Sanu is not – got to figure he's not going to do a lot. He didn't do anything before they cut him last yeah. season. And you know Shanahan doesn't like to go into training camp with, what, five receivers? I mean, we don't know what Jalen Hurd's going to be. You know, we, he may not even ever be what he wants – what he thought he would be. And then – who else do they have? Trent Taylor? I mean, come on. 
They're going to have to yeah. add a guy or two in the draft, at least one, you would think, and they would probably do it with that second or third round pick. Um, you know, who Demetric Felton is a guy out of UCLA that I really like that they could insert in there, but they kind of already have Debo, so who knows? I haven't really studied a lot of the wide receiver class. I just, you know, I have to pick what interests me, and right now quarterbacks are the only thing that really captivate uh, me to any extent, especially with the limited time that we all have. But um, I don't know anything really about the wide receivers in this class. Maybe there's a couple of good ones they can get, you know, day two or early day three, but they're, they're going to need to add something. And ideally, that I'd hope they would be able to trade Jimmy for a second round pick and maybe, you know, go get a wide receiver and a corner in the second round. I think that would be like a dream scenario for the second round. But obviously we'll see, you know, it's only three weeks away, right? Like, Eventually, the narratives will switch to people actually realizing, hey, this Trey Lance, Mac Jones thing at three is pretty stupid. Let's just say they're going to take Justin Fields because he's the best player on the board. And I'm hoping that happens sooner than later. But, Rich, if they want to check out your stuff, how can they do it? They can check out NinersNation.com. I've got a couple pieces I'm working on right now that I'm trying to get out. I'm just having a hard time finding time to finish them. I'm writing one about Justin Fields being not a one-read quarterback, and I'm trying to power through one on the offensive line, specifically looking at the upgrade of Alex Mack. Um, not as you know sexy of a film breakdown, but um, I really like the offensive line stuff. I really got into a lot of that with watching clinics and watching guys break down the wide zone. So I think there's a lot of uh, good stuff I can add in there to that. Um, outside of that, that's really it until I start pumping out pieces on the draft picks that ca- you know catch my attention next month or this actually this month probably going to finish these two take a take a breather from writing for a little bit and just break down some stuff on twitter um and then during the season footballzebras.com i write a lot about the nfl rules during the season um big you know big penalties every week whatever we break them down we have a live blog uh every sunday where we highlight the big the big calls the controversial calls um, we've got a lot of good contacts in the NFL officiating side that we get information from. So we do that basically all year round when news breaks. And then obviously we crank it up during the, uh, during the season. So they can, you guys can read that stuff there if you want. Other than that, just catch me on Twitter at rich J Madrid. That's perfect. Yeah, totally. You should follow them and then, you know, check out every once in a while we do those film breakdowns. I think a lot of people yes. would, uh, you know, value those. I think they'd be good for a lot of people who, you know, like, you know, even like me, like I don't understand offense as much as as well as you do, obviously. And I think that, you know, just going into one of those film breakdowns, I kind of understood a little bit better about Justin Fields and Trey Lance. You know, and I think it's good for people to understand, you know, what they're talking about on Twitter before they, you know, stand a specific quarterback like yeah. we have with Justin Yeah, Fields. definitely. Um, I usually put those out. Those are kind of last-minute decisions when I have time. I didn't do it this weekend because I was snowboarding all weekend and just too tired. But um, we'll, I'll throw it up on Twitter uh, usually retweeted a few times before the actual start time. And what we do is we basically just, I let the audience pick what they want to see broken down. I don't really go into it with an agenda of what I want to cover. Cause I don't, I don't half the time. I don't know what I want to cover. There's so many things that interest me that I just let people pick what they want to see. Um, you know, one night we did a bunch of 2013 49ers offense stuff with Jim Harbaugh. So, you know, just whatever, whatever, people are interested in i think we've jumped from Sala's defensive scheme a little bit to harbaugh's offense to i don't know you name it some random green bay packers stuff that somebody wanted to see so it really just depends i don't really have a 
a set agenda I'm looking to accomplish. I just, you know, want to see what the, what everyone else wants to see broken down. Um, and we'll usually do it for a couple hours and just shoot the, you know what, and grab a drink and, <laughs> you know, get down with it. And it's a good way just to become a better football fan. I feel like a lot of people like learn more, you learn more about the sport, you know, obviously like you can, you can understand it by just watching the games, but when you understand a little bit more about the X and O's, it's a little more fun, you know, to understand, you know, what the camera doesn't show you on TV. And so it's really cool for that kind of stuff. Um, you can catch me at nine on eight forty nine. Hot takes all the time, nonsense, arguing. It's super fun. Please don't tell me Mac Jones is going to be the forty nine quarterback because I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> we'll be back next week with uh, another countdown to the draft. Almost there. Remember, Justin Fields. No matter what, we'll see you next week.